Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. So excited to have you here with us today. What a fun show we've got planned for you here on the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of the show each and every day. We talk about everything going on in the wide world of Duke Athletics. Today, we bring back Brendan Marks of The Athletic, a very good friend of the program, to discuss everything going on right now at Duke, getting ready for football season to kick off at the end of the week, and basketball season is right around the corner. Make sure you subscribe and follow Locked On Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Got a lot of positive feedback from yesterday's episode with Brad Breedlove, the former Duke wide receiver who joined us on the show. Awesome stuff. Getting to catch up with him and hear about his story. But without further ado, let's chat with Brendan Marks of The Athletic after this quick break. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar, celebrate the freedom of choice with all of their amazing flavors. Did you know that they had so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well then you're missing out. Coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream. That's just to name a few. You know what my favorite flavor is? Well, it's definitely cookies and cream. It's so good. It's healthy, covered in 100% chocolate, and yet I've got so much energy after eating it. That is 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Wow, that's awesome. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy too. Order today and you got to try the new flavor. It's Grasshopper Cookie. It's a really good one or just order whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the United States track and field team. Isn't that great? Getting ready for some Olympics, track and field events and that sort of thing. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, Built.com, promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E. D15 for 15% off your next order. Back here on the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast, JJ Jackson, excited to be joined once again by Brendan Marks of The Athletic. He's become a very good friend of mine, a good friend of the show, and it's always a great day when he gets to come back on the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. So, Brendan, I'm grateful for your time. How are you doing today? I uh, know. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back and, uh, you know, glad that uh, we're finally going to have some live sports again here soon. Boy, we absolutely are. It's game week for both Duke and North Carolina on the football field. Friday night's going to be a whole lot of fun. Basketball season is right around the corner, which you know that we are so jazzed about. But before we get to any of that, Brendan, I've got to let you kind of share some big news that has happened since the last time we spoke. Look, you've covered recruiting for, for quite some time professionally and uh, you let the world know that you were able to secure a five-star lifetime commitment of yourself with your recent engagement. So first and foremost, congrats on that. 
And uh, then secondly, I would imagine that that's got to be the greatest thing that's ever happened, the most exciting, the most nervous, the scariest, like all of the emotions I'm sure you experienced. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think uh, for anybody who has uh, been engaged or, or had to, you know, face that time of, of, you know, asking someone to spend the rest of their lives with you, it really, it's those few days beforehand when you've got the ring in your possession and you know it's coming and, and you know, hopefully the other person has no idea. And, uh, but no, it was, it was terrific. Um, I was very fortunate. We, uh, uh, it was actually my girlfriend's birthday and I, we took a surprise trip up north wow. and spent a couple of days in, yeah, I took a couple of days up in, uh, Maine, spent some time in Portland, a couple of harbor towns, and then, uh, went up to Acadia National Park at sunset and climbed the mountain and, um, I was lucky enough that she said yes, which is the most important thing. So no, it's a incredible feeling, you know, certainly the, the best commitment I could ask for. So, um, no, I appreciate, I appreciate the congratulations and now, uh, the, the fun or horror of, of wedding planning begins, yeah. however you think of it. Yeah, Brendan Marks, the romantic. This is uh, this is awesome. Cool to hear you detail what happened. So, uh, as you said, you're now engaged. There's there's wedding planning. There's everything that's going on uh, in your personal life. But professionally, we've actually got some ball to be able to talk about. It's right around the corner. Uh, enough, enough talk, enough spring practice, fall camp, that sort of thing. And I know you're way bigger into the basketball side of things, but uh, you've been on recent Athletic Ventures uh, podcasting for the upcoming ACC football season. So uh, just how excited are you that it's here? Yeah, you know, I, I really, there are a few things I think that are as exciting just sort of across the board in sports as the return of football season. Because in terms of basketball, in terms of even baseball or hockey, usually the beginning of those seasons are sort of coming, you know, in, in the midst of other sports, I would say. But but college football season and NFL season, it, it's not really just about the sports, right? It's about the culture. It's about the fact that we're going to have tailgates again. We're going to have uh, fans back in stands. We are going to have uh, everything that comes along with football that has made it one of the most popular sports in the country. So, you know, I, I am as excited for the games as I am just to be able to walk through, you know, Durham and Chapel Hill in the next couple of weeks and, and see people tailgating, see people grilling, see people, you know, drinking beers and doing whatever sort of stuff they do before games. I mean, I think all of that stuff is as exciting and as essential to college football and NFL season as the games themselves. So I, I really, uh, you know, by this point in the preseason, we've done all the talking that there is to do. It's time to go out and actually play. Forgive me for not uh, doing the research here, but I've just got to ask this. Again, Brendan Marks of The Athletic is joining us here on the program, and if the answer goes one direction, it's going to be an awkward moment, and we'll pivot the conversation right away. We'll just figure it out as we go along. But, Brendan, in your uh, in your time there doing what you do, have you ever had the opportunity with this being a Duke podcast to experience a game day at Wallace Wade Stadium and, and just kind of your overall sense of it? I have, actually. I, I think probably the best experience that I've had at Wallace Wade, though, was uh, actually when I was a student at North Carolina, okay. covering, uh, covering Duke in North Carolina. And I remember it was, I can't remember if it was a Friday night game or a Thursday night game, but uh, the lights are on, stadium packed, you know, a late November chilly game, everyone's bundled up, uh, you know, the sort of game where every single player ends up with grass stains all over <laughs> their jerseys. Um, and the thing, I think Wallace Wade is such an underrated stadium. It's, it's really a beautiful venue. It's sort of right in the middle of campus there. Um, but, no, I, I think, you know, those night games, and, and I'd say the same thing in Chapel Hill. There's just something special when the lights come on, and uh, especially when you're playing a rivalry game. It's, it's, 
It's the best. I absolutely love it. So with that in mind, you look at the schedule for both of these teams, and what's taken me aback, and I know a lot of people have had comments on this, I want to hear from you. You mentioned that great game being in late November, which is when you traditionally see those big-time rivalries in college football. Well, you look at 2021, Brendan, and the first ACC game for both of those schools, Duke and North Carolina, is against one another. How in the world did we get here, and what is that going to be like? Yeah, it's it's interesting to me, and obviously – um, as we both know, a lot of the uh, college football scheduling these days is done through the lens and through the filter of television broadcasting and trying to create the most appealing matchups that you can. So we're traditionally you would have seen that as, as one of the last games of the season. And, you know, five years ago, even you would have seen that. Now you see it come a little bit earlier because later on in the year, ideally, uh, you're trying to put two teams together that are going to have a little bit more success on the field where the stakes are ideally going to be a little higher. Obviously, there's built-in stakes with any rivalry game, but um, in North Carolina's case, for example, you know, playing big games against you know Notre Dame and, and Miami later on in the year, when in theory uh, you're competing for a spot to be in the ACC championship game. So I, I'm not crazy about the switch. I think it's better when you have some of those rivalry games at the end. I'm so used to you know Duke, North Carolina, and NC State sort of making the gauntlet all through November. Um, but, you know, TV rules all nowadays, so it is what it is. Isn't that the truth? And Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. The MLB trade deadline is approaching, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website sign up today and you receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n again a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code locked on don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs bet online your online sportsbook experts Uh, TV, another topic of conversation for uh, a, a conference alliance that sort of take play, took place last week. What was that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> it's a great question. I think that a lot of the commissioners of, of the different conferences are trying to sort it out themselves. You know, I, I think ultimately this is sort of a gentleman's, a gentleman's agreement, you know, sort of a, a handshake and a wink and a nod sort of deal. But I, ideally, I think the best thing that can come out of this is two things. The first one is that you have some level of balance so the SEC doesn't turn into, you know, a, a monster mega conference with unilateral power in college athletics. You know, as ACC fans, uh, as people who, you know, work covering the ACC and have spent all of our lives, you know, watching it, learning about it, reading about it, just trying to enjoy it, um, you obviously don't want to see it uh, pushed to the back burner in terms of having decision-making power in college athletics because there, there are so many incredible things the ACC offers that other conferences don't. The other thing that hopefully you're going to see in the next couple of years is I, what I hope is an exciting slate of non-conference games in, in multiple sports. So, um, you know, you think about the possibility of having uh, Duke and North Carolina play against some of these other schools and football, playing them in basketball. And then even the athletics, uh, the Olympic sports, excuse me, when you have, you know, down the line, the lacrosse, the field hockey, the soccer, um, it, the uh, – potential to have elite non-conference games, elite non-conference MTEs, 
I think that is really sort of the, the crux and the most important thing that come, come out of this alliance, other than what I was mentioning before, uh, and just having a way to maintain the ACC's relevance in college athletics. I mean, it's just wild that there was no contract signed. It was just the most informal press conference, like three-way Zoom. That I, I was not a part of this. Uh, but to just reading about it and seeing some clips and that sort of thing, it just it felt like the way it was built up, Brendan, that it would have been a little bit more like groundbreaking or like, wow, they really are trying to make a big play here. But uh, as you said, it, it sort of seems to be a gentleman's agreement, and I don't know that that's ever worked in business. No, no. And, and again, you know, there's so much of this that's still happening on the fly. Uh, everyone wants to try and react as quickly as they can, but I, I don't really think we know where the cards are going to fall as, as far as realignment. Um, you know, there's going to be lawyers involved. There's going to be TV execs involved. Uh, there's going to be a lot that has to go into sort of seeing where the landscape settles. The landscape settles, excuse me. Um, and, and so I'm not too awful worried about it. But but like yourself, I thought it was going to be. Uh, a little bit more substantial than a three-way Zoom and sort of a <laughs> wink and a nod that we got. Brendan Marks of The Athletic is joining us here on the program. We're talking about uh, ACC Athletics, Duke in particular, on the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Recently, you know, we talk about this alliance, and oftentimes it seems like they're trying to chase the SEC, as we've mentioned, with Texas and Oklahoma set to join the conference, uh, also following the SEC and the way they structure their TV deals, as we're sort of uh, talking about the SEC recently celebrated the seven-year anniversary of the SEC Network. Hard to believe we've gotten to that point. But talking about the ACC Network, Brendan, how has that been received over the years as it looks like that continues to grow? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, and tying back into realignment, one of the most important things that the ACC is trying to uh, preserve with this alliance is ensuring that the ACC Network does grow, does ensure that it is, continually more and more accessible to uh, cable viewers, to streamers. Obviously, the television demographics are shifting in real time right now. Um, but no, I, I think the ACC network is slowly figuring out the formula for what works. It is a combination of, okay, we want to have uh, you know marquee games here, but we also don't want to lose a national audience by putting them here. So it's about finding the fine balance. At the same time, I think that it has afforded a number of schools in the ACC who may not be in the top two or three revenue earners, it's given them an option and an opportunity to have more games televised than they would have preferably before. So um, you're you're hopefully trying to expand their market base as well. But no, I mean, a lot of what is going to come down the pipe with not just the ACC, but all the conferences in the next couple of years, it all ties back to TV. It all ties back to making sure their networks are profitable uh, and really just making sure that the product they're promoting continues to be worthwhile. Talking about Duke Athletics with Brendan Marks of The Athletic. It's been a fun conversation so far. As uh, Brendan, we sort of pivot our conversation to the basketball side of things. Uh, this Duke basketball team gets ready for the final season uh, as co- with Coach K as the head coach. He spoke right before K Academy. What are some of your biggest takeaways from what's going on in the Duke basketball world right now? Yeah, you know, there were a couple of things that I thought were really interesting when we got to hear from Coach K. And, and one of them was just how at peace he sounded. Um, you know, when he first yeah. announced that he was going to be stepping aside after this season back over the summer, it was obviously very shortly thereafter he had made this decision. Um, emotions still running high. Um, I'm not so sure that for anybody the reality of that situation was able to sink in yet, but now that he's a few months removed, now that he wasn't on the recruiting trail, now that he is not in recruiting meetings, now that he is uh, slowly feeding certain responsibilities, 
uh, that relate to the future of the program to John Shire and the rest of the coaching staff, you could see that he's finally starting to understand what his life is going to be like. And he, he's okay with it. And I think that that's really important. You know, you, um, you know, from the flip side of things, you know, looking Nate Miles down the road, in Roy Williams's case, you've heard, you know, you saw so much emotion from him when he stepped away. And obviously Coach K was not because he still has another year to go. Um, but Roy Williams has said, you know, I, I don't miss it. I am very satisfied in my decision. Um, and it was good to see that Coach K, even still a year out before he walks away, seems to be coming to peace with that. Um, so I, I think that that's really important because I think that's going to mean that he enjoys this season more. I think it means that he's going to really give everything he has into the season. Um, but I also think that it kind of confirms that he's making the right decision. He's making it for the right reasons. And I think that, or I hope that at least, uh, that means that Blue Devil fans all around the world are able to at least understand and, and empathize with his choice. And he's got to feel pretty excited about the team he's put together for his final run. As uh, we, We've talked Paulo Bancaro ad nauseum uh, with you, Brendan, and uh, that's what we discuss almost every day here on this podcast. That's why we're so <laughs> excited for real games to be played to actually see what it's going to look like. But since we've last spoke, we've seen Paulo Inc., a, a professional contract with Zion Williamson's uh, agency that he's represented by there with the CAA. We've seen him play in pro-am-style tournaments, and it's just like, man, can we finally just see this guy play in a college basketball game because he looks to be that good? Yeah, I, I think, you know, all of the talk around him is entirely warranted. <laughs> uh, you know, there just are not a number of humans who walk the earth that are 6'11", 250 pounds and have the skills that, that he does. I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, there, there's so much talk around him at this point that, that I really am interested to see how he handles it. And I'm interested to see how Duke handles it because um, at this point, obviously everyone is sort of expecting him to be almost like a second coming of Zion, I would say. Um, and I do anticipate that in terms of, you know, strategy and scheme, he is going to be used in a similar role. You know, I don't think he is going to be a guy who, you know, given the presence of Mark Williams, given the presence of Theo John, I don't think he is going to be a guy who's parked in the post. I think he is going to have some freedom of movement. He's going to be allowed to bring the ball up the floor. He's going to be allowed to step out to the perimeter. Um, you know, one of the best things that he does is attack the basket because of his size and his combination with quickness. So, um, I'm really interested to see how Duke sort of handles the expectations everyone has for him. You know, let's say he comes out of the gate and uh, he isn't, you know, the leading scorer the first few games. I mean, how does that change anything? Does it change anything? So um, it'll be really interesting to see how the staff balances things with him because as you know very, very well, JJ, there's a lot of really other talented basketball players on this team. Yeah. Um, AJ Griffin is one I'm excited to see. Trevor Keels is one I'm excited to see. Um, I, I'm excited to see what the Wendell Moore point guard experiment looks like. So uh, there, there's a lot here to play with. And, and really, again, like you said, we all just want the game to start. Yeah, no, I, you know, we talk about starting lineups and that sort of thing and projections that you could have <laughs> for Duke. And, and I think that final spot in terms of who's your point guard for, for Duke going into the season, it really does feel like Wendell Moore is getting way more comfortable in a position like that. We see him running the point in the scrimmage videos that their their basketball staff has put out there on YouTube for folks to take a look at. But uh, between Wendell Moore and Jeremy Roach, are, are you expecting Wendell to be truly the starter at point guard? And what other expectations do you have for Wendell Moore Jr.? So I, I would definitely still say that I think, you know, again, and, and we're projecting right now, but yeah. I, I would be surprised still if Jeremy Roach was not the starting point guard. Um, I think that that was the vision when he first committed, uh, especially knowing that he was coming off the knee injury that he was. 
I think that, you know, you look at last season and the growth that you saw with him, yeah. he played through a lot of growing pains, and that's intentional. It's so he can get the reps, so he can learn, okay, this is what the game looks like at this level. This is what I need to prepare for. And lastly, so that he could sort of pick and choose the spots of things that he really wanted to work on this season. And he mentioned when we spoke to him after right before K Academy, <coughs> excuse me, his three-point shot was his primary focus. So I definitely still believe that he is going to be you know, quote-unquote, the starting point guard. But Wendell Moore Jr. is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He is going to be a secondary ball handler on the floor. And I think that's important because I'm not so sure that there is another person on the roster that, that's capable of doing it from the position he is. You know, Trevor Keels obviously is, but I, I think of him as more as a true backcourt guy, yeah. um, someone who can slide between the one and the two, play that combo role. Jalen Blakes can do it a little bit. But, again, this is a backcourt guy. Um but I really think that Wendell, he's someone who, especially in a smaller lineup, you can have him on the wing and still have him bring the ball up the floor, still have him create. Um, he needs to work on his handle for that to be a sustainable experiment, I would say. I don't think that um, if he dribbles the ball the way that he has through his first two seasons, I don't think that's really a tenable situation. But I I'd certainly think that his size, his vision, his ability in transition, um, all of that lends itself very well to Wendell Moore taking – spot duties at point guard, and also just operating as a secondary ball handler when he's on the floor with, you know, one of Jeremy Rhodes or Trevor Keels or Jalen Blicks. I mean, the way it's set up, you've, you've got Mark Williams, Paulo Bancaro, and A.J. Griffin. You feel pretty good about those being starters out there. And Again, just because you're not a starter doesn't mean that you're going to play that, that you can't play 25, 30 minutes and truly impact the game. But, look, it's the offseason, and these are the conversations that we have. So the idea that those three guys are starters right away, you feel pretty good about Wendell Moore Jr. going into his junior season. If Jeremy Roach is there, that means Trevor Keels is coming off the bench. And the other way, too, like if Trevor Keels is out there and it's Jeremy Roach coming off the bench, that's a good problem to have for Duke as you've got truly – experience in this recruiting class as opposed to the one that we just saw a year ago is back to sort of that uh, Duke recruiting standard that we've seen over the past decade. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you think about that, you know, if you, if you slot in, as I have mentally at least for the time being, I slot in Jeremy and Wendell as those last two starters most likely. Um, that means that your second unit, you're bringing in Trevor Keels, who is a five-star combo guy who is – going to light it up in terms of scoring the ball. Yeah. Uh, Joey, ba Joey Baker, who ideally stretches the floor for you, yeah. plays great defense, occasionally makes passes. And, and also, I would say defensively, Joey's uh, importance is very underrated, um, especially taking charges, those sorts of things. I agree. And then you've got Theo, and then you've got Theo John, who's your backup big man. So um, I think staggering that starting five with those three guys, I think you know, you're probably talking about spot duties for Jalen Blake. Um, but, but certainly I think that – eight-person rotation, I think, is one that, you know, is, is probably early on in the season going to cement itself. It's just how many minutes, you know, each guy spends at each spot. It's going to be an opponent-by-opponent opponent thing. It's going to vary dramatically. Um, but, but I really like the composition of that rotation as it is because you have someone who comes in who gives you some scoring. You have someone who comes in and gives you experience and heft. And you have someone who comes in in Joey Baker who ideally stretches the floor. So um, I, I think it's a really interesting you know, sort of mix and match of pieces that Duke has to play with this season. Um, obviously, things can change, but that is sort of at least initially how I... We've already talked with you about Dariq Whitehead and Kyle Filipowski being the first two commits for John Shire in his class of 2022 uh, recruiting class as the next 
head men's basketball coach for Duke University. But, Brendan, I'm curious, are, are you hearing anything in terms of other recruits that uh, Duke fans should be on the radar f- lookout for? Yeah, you know, obviously I, I think that a lot of people are, are very satisfied with what they've seen so far. Good start. Tire, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> You bring in you bring in two guys of that caliber, and um, obviously that's you know basically the exact sort of start that you would want to see. Um, I, I would add a few more that I think people are going to be watching. You know, one who who really comes to mind for me is Mark Mitchell. Um, you know, another wing guy, six eight, long, lanky, um, can do a couple of different things. Duke is in his finals, um, so he'll be one of the, the last choices for the Blue Devils. And then you know, obviously there are other guys that maybe you're closer to the top of the rankings who we're going to wait and see, you know, what ends up happening with Derek Lively. Um, I'd be very interested to see sort of where his situation shakes out, um, you know, and, and then obviously there are going to be guys who come up the rankings later on. But for me right now, sort of the next guy that I'm really looking for uh, is Mark Mitchell. And if Duke is able to land him too, all of a sudden you're, you're talking about two five-star wings and Kyle Filipowski. So yeah. Uh, three, three five stars, all of whom can play on the perimeter, all of whom can handle, all of whom can shoot and pass. Um, that is an incredible, incredible start for John Shire. And just we, we you know, we mentioned this earlier, but uh, it, it appears that Kyle Filipowski has has put on a little bit of weight and has already picked up his fifth star from rivals. So, so still a four star guy composite, still a top thirty guy in the country. But uh, he can still keep climbing the rankings as, you know, we, we continue to see some guys go off to the G League or professional routes, which kind of slots you up higher. So, yeah, when you factor all that in and what could be coming, like, my word, John Shire apparently uh, isn't too afraid of stepping into this big new role. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And then, you know, there are other guys who I think are probably a little bit earlier on in their process, someone like J.J. Starling. Um, and, and so, you know, listen. With the foundation that he's set with those two guys, who I think both will ultimately end up as five stars, um, you know, you look at the roster and you're probably losing at least three guys. Uh-huh. That means he's got a couple. He's got a couple more holes that he can still fill. So um, it, it'll be fascinating to see who he ends up with. But but I think what he's already proven, he's validated the the selection committee and proven that there's not going to be a drop off to Coach K. You know, in terms of what he does, in game coaching the style he wants to play, those sorts of things, that's that's obviously still to be determined. But in terms of the caliber of player who's going to be at Duke and continuing that legacy that Coach K has established, um, he's already proven that that's not going to take a step down, and, and that's crucial. This is Brendan Marks of The Athletic. He's always far too kind with his time. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Brendan R. Marks, for all the great coverage of Duke basketball. Uh, don't be afraid. His timeline, you will see a lot of North Carolina Tar Heel Um words and tweets out there but uh, look that's part of the job we always appreciate him for the duke side of things and perspective there so brendan tell me what's coming next for you like what should we be on the lookout for yeah absolutely you know uh, obviously with the start of football season we're getting a couple of things squared away in that realm yeah. but uh no hope, hopefully we'll have some more opportunities in the next couple of weeks to speak with uh coach k coach shire um and, and even carol lawson you know we're coming up on the start of you know basketball yeah. preseason and that means uh, at the athletic, we're going to unveil our state of the program series. We're going to have deep dives on the Duke men's and women's program. So those are the next two really, really big stories that I'm looking and diving into. And um, already got some interviews set up, so it should be should be good stuff in the next few months, weeks and months to come. Enjoy football being back on the television screen in the coming weeks. Enjoy the uh, engagement life and wedding planning and everything else that you find yourself getting into, Brendan. I always appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. I appreciate all of that. And, and likewise, thanks for having me. Hope you're staying safe. That's Brendan Marks of The Athletic. He's so kind. He's joining us here on the Locked On Blue Devils podcast.
Thank you again to Brendan Marks of The Athletic for joining us on the podcast today. Really enjoyed the conversation and insight that he always has to offer. One of the best in the business when it comes to covering our Duke Blue Devils. Make sure you check out his work. Again, The Athletic, that was Brendan Marks, and follow him on Twitter at Brendan R. Marks. Follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils wherever you get your podcast. Do me a favor. Leave us a five-star rating and review. That really helps us out. I give five-star Friday shout-outs to folks that leave reviews on our podcast. I'm so grateful when you take the time to do something like that. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go do. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.